0: The Holy Gospel according to St. John chapter 11. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how they loved him? The some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead for four days. his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him, and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our Maker and Redeemer. Amen. Well, that Gospel reading for today comprises just 12 verses that it actually takes john in his gospel a story of 54 verses to tell beginning in john 11 verse 1 where he starts the story by telling us that a man named lazarus who lived just outside of jerusalem in a little town called bethany with his sister and his other sister mary and martha was ill Lazarus is not known in Scripture as one of Jesus' twelve disciples. He's known in Scripture as Jesus' friend. It says something to me about Jesus that even he, as a human, had, I even maybe think maybe needed, in order to be fully human, a friend. Some relationships that were supportive, safe, fun even. It says something to me about Lazarus that he had what it took for Jesus to trust him as a friend. A friend who loved him, a friend whom he loved, but who was now sick. Seriously so. And so Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that he needed to come and love him back to health. But Jesus, John tells us, said to his disciples, it's not time. And they waited two days. And during those two days, Lazarus died. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Now it's time. And they begin the several days' journey to Bethany, and as they travel, we are reminded, as many of us have no doubt learned in more than a few prayers of our own, that God's sense of timing and our sense of timing are not always the same thing. Roxas' great niece, beautiful Evie, whom Jesus loved, just a few, a few weeks shy of two years old, died this week after a long battle with cancer. Many of us and others have been praying for her the whole time. I want to say something. There is power in prayer and mystery in the ways prayers are answered, and there is power in God and mystery beyond mystery in, when it comes to God's will and God's ways, but I do not use the phrase, it was the will of God or the timing of God when talking about a death like that, dear little girls. Call me a heretic if you need to, but I think that death's sense of timing and cancer's sense of timing are not, in this case, the same as God's sense of timing either. That little girl was taken from this world too young, as was Lazarus. Whose home in Bethany, Jesus finally approached after four days after Lazarus' death. Martha and Mary were in the house when he arrived. Martha ran out to meet him. Mary stayed home. She, like some of us when we grieve, doesn't want to be around crowds of people. She just wants to be alone or or the, the people she's closest to, her friends. But Martha did run out to meet Jesus, and when she got there, she said, and I want to imagine that there was a little tone in her voice, a little, a little edge to it, because we elsewhere have seen in John evidence that Martha could get a little put off about things sometimes, and when she was put off about things, she said so, which I think is at least part of what's going on here when she said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. There's faith in these words, of course. She believes Jesus could have done something if he'd been here. But there's also, I think, beneath those words, a a disappointed, maybe even slightly angry or irritated question. Jesus, why weren't you here? There was time. Then she spoke of faith again, which we need to acknowledge because those who do much thinking about Mary and Martha often think of Martha as just this busy doer, and Mary as the deeper and more contemplative believer, but that's a caricature, and caricatures have blind spots, for who has ever anywhere seen deeper faith than the faith Martha now speaks with when her brother dead and buried, she says to Jesus, with death listening in, but... But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Faith that is as deep as Martha's faith, even when it must face some of the things we in this broken world must face, like death, our own and those we love, does not then despair. But rather than feeling whatever are all the feelings it feels and grieving all the grief that it needs to grieve, nevertheless says then, but, there's still Jesus. Jesus, whom Martha didn't understand, but she still believed in him. On this All Saints Sunday, I give thanks for St. Martha of Bethany. And I pray for faith that is more like hers. In response to her feelings and her faith, Jesus then said, your brother will rise again, which Martha took to mean what many Jews by this time had actually come to believe from reading some portions of their scriptures, especially the prophets and the Psalms, that being that there would be a resurrection of the dead on the last day. So when Jesus said, your brother will rise again, she said, I know. Sounds a little bit similar to me when our loved one dies and someone says, she's in a better place and we say I know but what we think as we say it is that just doesn't make it hurt any less right now. It's interesting when they'd earlier asked him to come heal Lazarus she was disappointed that he waited because he did less than she'd asked. She does not yet know she will soon know that Jesus is here now to do more than she'd asked. What she then begins to tell her as he now she now becomes the first person ever to hear the promise that Jesus spoke, the promise to which believers throughout the ages have entrusted those whom we have known and loved and greeted ever since, as Jesus now says to dear Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, yet they will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Then he says, Do you believe this? She says, Yes, Lord. And then, God bless her, she goes on to say even more than he had asked. When she says, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. St. Peter is remembered for the day he made that same bold confession, although he then immediately tripped over his own confession when Jesus started talking about the necessity of his death on the cross. And Peter said, that ain't going to happen on my watch. Martha now, even in the presence of death, makes the same bold confession without tripping over it. Even in the face of death, Jesus, she says, is the Messiah, the Son of God, the answer to hopes that have been hoped throughout the ages, and the answer to prayers so deep we don't even know. We don't even know how to pray them. On this All Saints Sunday, I do give thanks for St. Martha of Bethany, and I do pray for faith that is more like hers. Then Martha went and found Mary, still grieving in the house, and tenderly, who knew that Martha could be tender, tenderly, says to her, the teacher is calling for you. And they went to him, and Mary then, this is fantastically interesting, Mary kneeling at his feet said word for word exactly the same words that Martha had said, except it's not the same. Because whereas Martha had spoken the words with an edge to her voice and some anger even perhaps, Mary now with a catch in her voice and tears on her face says quietly, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus, seeing her tears, didn't preach or promise. Rather, says John, he cried with her. The two sisters had the same words, but they weren't the words said in the same way, and so Jesus didn't respond in the same way. And we are reminded, sometimes tears speak louder than words. That said, why does Jesus cry, do you suppose? I mean, he knows what he's about to do. That's clear. He knows that he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, so what's he crying for? I wonder if maybe at least part of it is for the same reason we cry, when even though we know our loved ones are in a better place, not suffering anymore, we cry because it still hurts. I give thanks for today for St. Mary of Bethany, who with her tears, points me to a Lord and Savior who understands from experience what our tears of grief feel like. Pastor Mark Priest attends our Tuesday morning men's Bible study. Meet down in the Fellowship Hall, 745. You're welcome. We look at the uh, the text for the coming Sunday. It's when I start working on this week's sermon. He reminded me this past Tuesday morning that in the prior English translations, John 11:35, 35, which in this translation is translated, Jesus began to weep. It's actually more accurate, probably. But in the prior translations, it was, it was just Jesus wept. And therefore, it was known as the shortest verse in the Bible, nine verse, nine letters. In the Greek text, Jesus wept is actually 16 letters and so he told us that in the Greek text the shortest verse in the Bible is 1st Thessalonians 5 16 pantote kairate. rejoice always 14 letters in the Greek he said he's always found it interesting that putting those two shortest verses of the Bible together you end up with Jesus wept rejoice always which I decided is actually more than interesting. I think Jesus wept, rejoice always is an outstanding theme for an All Saints Sunday sermon. Especially in this year B of the lectionary cycle, when on this day when we indeed do sing loud and joyful praises and hallelujahs and as we do remember that our praises and hallelujahs are not just our praises and hallelujahs but are joined together in chorus with the praises and hallelujahs of all believers everywhere including those who have finished in faith before us and so even now are singing their praises and allelujahs that are the praises and hallelujahs of forever. But nevertheless, on this year, B's readings for All Saints Sunday, all three of the readings also reference tears. Tears which both Isaiah and Revelation say God will one day at last wipe away, as sorrow and grieving will be no more. But tears which our gospel reading today says even Jesus cried outside the tomb of his dear friend Lazarus. And he did so even though he did know what he was about to do. And what he was about to do was more than anyone had ever even imagined to, to, to think of asking him. For what he was about to do was not to heal the sick, but to raise the dead. In going to the tomb, he had that stone rolled away. We are not told whether in that moment he glimpsed in his mind another stone before the entrance of a tomb soon to come. And then after praying a prayer to the Father, he commanded a command, not just to his friend, but also to death itself. Lazarus, he said, come out. Death, he said, in other words, be gone. And the dead man, dead no longer, did come out. And being bound in strips of cloth, the same way Jesus would be bound come that Friday, drawing ever nearer, he said to those standing there, trying somehow to believe, what they had just seen, unbind him and let him go. And some, John tells us, did believe what they had just seen, but others, and this in its own way seems almost as miraculous, but in a, in a negative way, others didn't believe in spite of what they'd just seen. I don't judge them. I truly don't. For I can't even begin to imagine all the miracles that are surely happening around me every moment of every day and oh so way too often I don't see anything miraculous at all. And there standing in the midst of it all is Saint Lazarus of Bethany, who as it turns out is the only one who is named by name in this story but whose role is a non-speaking one. And my goodness, the story he surely could have told. Surely the story he did tell Mary and Martha. But John doesn't tell us one single thing about that. Because why? Because remember, John doesn't ever refer to miracles as miracles. He calls miracles signs. Signs being things that are most important, not on their own, but are most important rather because of the direction beyond themselves in which they point us. And the direction, of course, that this miracle points us to is Jesus and the greatest story of all. Lazarus, after all, was raised from the dead, but he would die again later, as we, we will we all. But in the raising of Lazarus, we are given a foretaste of the Feast to come, when Jesus, for all the saints, keeps the promise of all promises around which this story centers itself. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And so today, with faith, we pray, might be more like the faith of Martha, and in more than a few cases of ours, too, with tears that are very like the tears cried by both Mary and Jesus. We remember those whom we have entrusted to the promises of Jesus, and we remember that they are more than those whom we have loved until death did us part. They are, too, beloved of the one whom the sign says not even death can part them from. O oh, blessed communion fellowship divine We feebly struggle they in glory shine Yet all are one in thee For all are thine Hallelujah Hallelujah Amen